From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, new glaucoma medications and stabilizing the capsular bag at the 2017 Surgical Summit. And so what we're looking at right now, right around the corner, is a little bit of a a medication renaissance, if you will, with uh, four major compound areas that are being looked at. First this. Want to learn about MACRA, MIPS, and running an excellent and efficient ophthalmology practice? You'll love iTalks Radio, the official podcast of the American Society of Ophthalmic Administrators. Let's get right down to the basics of MACRA. For those of you who are not familiar with this law, what is MACRA? MACRA does stand for the Medicare Access and CHIP Reauthorization Act. iTalks Radio brings to ASCRS members, ASOA members, and even non-members practical information on human resources, government regulatory compliance, middle management, and productivity. Indulge at italksradio.org. That's E-Y-E-T-A-L-K-S radio.org. Italks Radio, the yang to my yin. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the 2017 Surgical Summit in Deer Valley, Utah. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today we hear from Robert Condon on new glaucoma medications and from Robert Sioni on stabilizing the capsular bag. I'm here with Gary Condon. Gary, you know, when I was a, a, a resident back in the time that, you know, we were treating uh, brontosaurus cataracts, there, it was an exciting time because for, we, we, we had a new medication that had just come out, which was a prostaglandin mediator. And, you know, it was, it was, it was like the last man on the moon because nothing's happened since then. There hasn't been a, a real novel glaucoma medication. Um, since I trained. But the scene's changing now. Can I get you to, to, to sort of lay out what is coming out, where the trials are, um, uh, particularly uh, with medications uh, like the rock, rock inhibitors? Yeah, sure, Josh. It's, it's, a, it's a great uh, question. And at this meeting, for instance, we've really never had a discussion on medication in the last 15 years because, as you say, since 1996, uh, there really hasn't been anything that's come close to achieving the same bar, if you will, that the prostaglandin agents have. And so what we're looking at right now, right around the corner, is a little bit of a, um, a medication renaissance, if you will, um, with uh, four major compound areas that are being looked at. Uh, so yeah, sure. Those. Yeah, talk, talk me so, through it and what, what so the So a couple of key points. Uh, number one is uh, we're seeing the role of nitric oxide uh, donation into the mix as as one key point with uh, one of these agents, and secondly the rokinase inhibition uh, with a couple of the other compounds. So uh, to put it um, uh, more concisely, we have latanoprostine. Uh, Bunod, which is a combination of latanoprost molecule with a um, nitric oxide moiety as well that acts in a different way than uh, the latanoprost molecule does. Then we have the rokinase agent, which is Ropressa, uh, 
and a combination of Ropressa with latanoprost, which is the rock latan, and then lastly, trabadenosin, which is the um, alpha-1 uh, agonist uh, category of agent. All of these lend uh, to us a whole new ability to manipulate outflow through the tra- trabecular meshwork, which is something that we haven't been able to do in a long time. Now let's talk uh, about the mechanism of action of these different agents. What does nitric oxide get me? So nitric oxide gets uh, nitric oxide contributes to a very endogenous role in our system. It is a uh, very powerful vasodilating agent. You think about nitroglycerin in patients for angina and whatnot, and so it has a dilating effect or um, a, a big impact on the improvement and aqueous outflow through our conventional trabecular meshwork pathway. That's where the nitric oxide comes in. And what about the uh, uh, rock uh, in? inhibitors, what are they doing that's improving outflow? So rokinase inhibition is a remodeling and relaxation, a change in the characteristic of the trabecular meshwork. Uh, And so that uh, particular molecule, again, is something that focuses a direct improvement on aqueous outflow through the meshwork. Now, since both uh, the nitric oxide and the uh, rokinase pathway are trabecular meshwork pathways, is, is this the the reason that it was thought that uh, that it is thought uh, that they're good additive agents to prostaglandins, uh, which uh, work largely through uveoscleral outflow. Right, and and that's a very very key point that you raise in that. Uh, these molecules are, for the most part, showing the greatest efficacy when they're latched onto the prostaglandin uh, moiety so that you have uh, both pathways of outflow being addressed. And if you do that with the rokinase uh, added to the uh, prostaglandin, the latanoprost molecule, and if you do it with the nitric oxide element added to the prostaglandin molecule, uh, those compounds will uh, beat out either one of the individual ones alone. Now, these compounds in trial, are they're, they're all QD dosing? That's the other thing that uh, is very important, that they, to maintain the, the best compliance, they're still aiming for QD dosing with these agents, yes. So when are we going to uh, see these as available commercial agents in, in clinical practice? Well, we were anticipating the... Um, uh, Vizolta, which is the trade name for the latanoprostine bunod, we were anticipating that uh, late last year, early this year, but it's being held up with some manufacturing issues at the moment. So they're uh, going through some glitches in that side of things, but it has been approved. The, um, the uh, Ropressa is another agent that, again, is on the immediate approval track and is simply in a delayed reevaluation of its manufacturing process as well uh, down in Florida. So that's it's sort of being held up with technicalities at the moment. Gary, this is exciting times. We have, we have new agents coming up. Uh, I feel like a kid again. Uh, no, this, this, is, this is wonderful. I'm looking forward to uh, having different agents. And uh, I want to thank you for giving you know, a wonderful talk. No, thank you. Uh, and for being so very generous with your time with us today. No problem. Thank you very much, Josh. I'm here with Bob Sioni. Bob, you gave a wonderful talk on uh, capsular methods and devices um, for recentering uh, dislocated uh, lenses, IOLs. Um, can I get you to, to sort of lay the topic out, and then I'll have more specific questions and procedure questions, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, certainly. Um, so the thought is that if you can recenter an IOL and keep the capsular bag intact, 
with the implant in the capsular bag, you've recreated the situation uh, that the patient originally had, which is the separation of the anterior segment from the posterior segment. You're more likely going to be able to keep vitreous uh, posteriorly where it belongs than if you were to um, instead remove the lens, replace it, and do a scleral fixated lens. It also keeps the possibility of um, having a premium IOL. So if the patient had a toric IOL and you remove that IOL when to replace it, then you no longer can place a toric IOL because those lenses have to go in the bag. Same story for multifocal IOLs. Uh, when capsular tension rings first came into practice, uh, it really opened up the door towards um, finding a better way to solve these problems, not only for people with dislocated crystalline lenses and zonular compromise, but also those that develop late postoperative IOL decentration. The real key here, Josh, is to open the capsular bag. So if you can reopen that capsular bag with a lot of viscoelastic and maintain an intact capsularexis, uh, not violate the posterior capsule, then you can put a capsular tension ring in. You can also uh, place capsular tension segments. Quite often, if the lens is decentered far enough, you'll have to do a suturing of the capsular tension ring or segment in order to get good recentration. Now, uh, I've I've used capsular tension rings, and you're absolutely right. They're wonderful, wonderful things. You've several hours, let's say, of z uh, zonular compromise. Uh, it, it, it makes a case um, possible and not that hard that, that in other circumstances would be very difficult. Now, having said that, Liliana Werner has, has shown that as nice as capsular tension rings are, they really don't do much to prevent uh, a lens later on from dropping, as opposed to uh, suturing in segments where you really do have some fixation to the to the wall of the eye. Now, I have not sutured in segments. Uh, can you sort of talk me through uh, what it is that might make my life easier when I have to do one of these? Sure. Um, I've used a lot of diff different techniques, and what I've come to find is that um, passing needles through the eye can be dangerous, it can be challenging, you can get bleeding. So I prefer to take the needles off the suture. And we generally, for these cases, use Gore-Tex off-label uh, instead of a proline or a Mersaline. So uh, th the way that we do this, with the eye closed still, we'll make sclerotomies uh, through a underneath the conjunctival pyridomy. Uh, I use a 23-gauge MVR blade. I want to be about 2.5 millimeters posterior to the surgical limbus. And I want to separate those by about three or four millimeters. So they're two and a half to three millimeters back behind the limbus, separated by a distance uh, for each sclerotomy site. The 23-gauge MVR uh, goes into the eye. You stay. Uh, you, you can go either behind the capsule or in front of the capsule. You don't want to puncture the capsule. In reality, it's sort of hard to puncture it because it's already fibrotic in these cases. But you don't want to nick the capsule because you want an intact capsule bag. With the needles cut off the Gore-Tex suture, we place the Gore-Tex suture through a, a limbal incision into the eye, reach through the sclerotomy site um, and to grab those sutures and externalize them. Now, um, I failed to mention that before you, you grab that suture, you also have to place it through the eyelid of the fixation hook on a capsular tension ring or a capsular tension segment. 
Do you do you, do you just pass it through, or do do you girth hitch it? Nope, just pass it right through the eyelet. Just right through the eyelet, and um, then <clears throat> when you put the capsular tension segment or ring into the eye, it already has a suture through it. And so when you externalize that suture, you have the um, the ring captured by the suture. The ring can go into the bag, or the segment can go into the bag. And when you tighten those sutures up, it it it, it pulls the bag with it and recenters it. You you really make it sound easy. Uh, I I. I I imagine it's 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 a bit more more challenging well, than that. Actually, the suturing portion of it is not that challenging. The real challenging portion portion is to get the capsular bag reopened. In order to be successful with this technique, you have to use a lot of viscoelastic to reopen that capsular bag, re-expand it. Sometimes putting either a standard ring or a suturable modified ring into the bag will further break those fibrotic bands and open it. I showed a case today where there was a tremendous anterior capsule phimosis um, in a patient with a single um, vision monofocal lens. And the phimosis was so significant that there was only about a millimeter and a half of opening anteriorly. But we're able to put viscoelastic in and get that opening to expand some. And then when we put in a capsular tension ring, it opened it even further. Now that that particular IOL did not recenter just with a standard ring, so it needed a segment as well, which we put in <clears throat> at the area of zonular compromise and then sutured it to the wall of the eye. Uh, Bob, this is great, great stuff. Uh, you know, none of us likes these these cases. Well, maybe you like these cases. I don't like these cases, uh, but I mean, it's wonderful having these tools. I w- want to thank you very much for bringing this topic to us, and as always, for being so very generous with your time with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Gary Condon comes to us from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Robert Sioni comes from Salt Lake City, Utah. Ask questions of Dr. Condon, Dr. Sioni, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iworld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.